You're listening to a podcast from the Abbey Theatre's Oral History Project. For more information about the archive, visit abbeytheatre.ie. From the founding of the Abbey Theatre in 1904, and indeed earlier through the work of the Fay Brothers, W.B. Yeats and Lady Gregory held an ambition to create a full-time acting company. Many of the members of the original acting company spent a lifetime working at the Abbey Theatre. This podcast includes short excerpts from longer interviews. It recalls some of those actors and considers the impact of an acting company on the theatre's custom and practice. We hear first from actors Pat Laffin, Stephen Ray, Niall Buggy and Kathleen Barrington who belonged to a generation of actors who performed at the Abbey Theatre in the 1960s. In particular, we hear recollections of actors Eileen Crow, who worked at the Abbey Theatre from 1921 until 1970, and May Craig, who was part of the company from 1907 until 1968. I mean, when I joined first, May Craig was still on the books, and she had been in the original production of The Playboy of the Western World in 1909. And, of course, Eileen Crow was there. She'd been there from the 20s. She was very nice, Eileen. She was very reserved, but she was nice. Eileen looked after herself very well, and uh, but she got a lot to do, and she was pushed very hard a few times. You know, she'd get tired, but she never complained, that I can remember. And she needed the income, I suppose. There was no pension scheme in those days. You'd have to be on the OAP if, if, you, if you left. But it was interesting to be there with people who had worked with Yates and O'Casey and so on, and you could ask questions and, and so on. That was, that was interesting. People used to talk with great affection for F.J. McCormick, who died in 1948. That He was great company, and he was a great company man. And people learnt a great deal from him. Also, an old actor called Mick Dolan, uh, who, who had been in the company forever. They, they would talk about them with affection, and they'd remember things they said and pass them on. You know. I mean, one of the most extraordinary things for me, what Stephen said, is there were two members of the original company when we were there: May Craig and Eileen Crow. And that was fascinating for me. Um, I was I was able to because Eileen was a lovely woman, was a very interesting yes. woman to talk to, and I was able to speak to her about as as would be our interest in the theatre was as regards the acting, as it was if there was a sort of a an idea of acting or a thought about acting or because nobody ever nobody ever does speak about acting much. But Eileen was able to tell me, speak to me. A little bit. I mean, I didn't ask her too much, but I mean, a little bit about F.J. McCormick, who was considered, certainly by the Dublin public and by lots of people outside of Dublin, i.e., from England and other places in America, to be the greatest actor that he'd ever seen on the stage. I mean, he had an incredible reputation. Of course he did. But the, what you're saying about the two, um, May and Eileen, was. Um, um, my little pretentious thing is, you know, Olivier could trace his line back to Burbage, who was yes. Shakespeare's actor. Yes, indeed. So we can trace our line back to the phase. Indeed. Because we've been on stage with May and Eileen. Absolutely. So 
<laughs> it's a shorter tradition, but Absolutely. it nonetheless is a tradition and an, um, a singularly important one, you know. Absolutely, and also these were people who had worked with Yeats and who had, uh, in, 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 you know. Well, this is what um, Ronnie Masterson told me that with Rhea Mooney, you know Rhea Mooney? Yeah. She was taught verse speaking by W.B. Yeats. Oh my God. And when, when Ronnie was in the school, Rhea Mooney was teaching them verse speaking, you know. Well, it was, all of this had died completely by the yeah. time we were around. Nobody was thinking of doing a verse play. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. And so, can you imagine learning verse from somebody who'd learned at the knee of W.B. Yeats? I know, amazing. Amazing? Yeah. I mean, they were an extraordinary company of actors. Well, I suppose, leading, you'd say, Eileen Crow. I remember, maybe I should say that if you weren't in a play, you had to, all the junior members came and watched rehearsals. And rehearsals were always on stage. There was no rehearsal room. So you sat in the stalls watching the rehearsal. And I remember Eileen coming into rehearsal. And she had her hat on. And she looked as if she was just going to take tea. But literally anything further from the truth. She was a meticulous actor. She prepared everything totally. Her comedy timing was absolutely exquisite. She said, I asked her one time, she was doing this, and she always managed to pour the cup of tea on this particular line. I said, Eileen, how do you do it? There wasn't time in rehearsal, literally, to do it. You found your spot, you knew your lines, and you, you know, and you answered your cues quickly. She said she used to rehearse at home to get it absolutely, precisely correct. So she, she was a wonderful actor. A marvellous comedy timing, just wonderful. I mean, people think of her always as the tragic Juno, but her amazing Madigan was dancing and delightful, lovely. Playwright Bernard Farrell also remembers Eileen Crow and her husband, F.J. McCormack. Eileen Crow, I do remember very well. And I, I knew about her, and my father used to talk about um, her husband, F.J. McCormack, and how himself and Barry Fitzgerald had been offered Hollywood and Barry Fitzgerald went and F.J. McCormick stayed and, um, and gave his life to the, um, to the, um, to the Abbey. I know that. Derry Power joined the Abbey Theatre in 1955 and recalls when Hollywood came to the Abbey Theatre. An interesting story I'll tell you. We did a play, Oscar Elga, in which Doreen Madden played the lead in it. And Doreen, at the time, was going to go to Hollywood for, for, for John Ford. He had just done uh, uh, The Rising of the Moon. And he used to come in in the evening to collect her. I used to bring her to dinner or whatever. And he, he was all dressed up in those days uh, with a blazer and he used to wear a black eye patch. So this play we did, Oscar Elga, was a party. So Ford would come in and waiting for Doreen, he'd walk on onto the set as one of the guests at the party. So I have the distinction of being acting with John Ford as an actor. Actors Maureen Gronje and Bridgene Nocton and stage manager John Stapleton describe how young actors benefited from the experience of the senior members of the Abbey Theatre Company. The main block of actors who were there, I mean, all I can say is we were privileged. Absolutely privileged. I think young actors, they think they're great now. I said, you didn't know Eamon Kelly. 
You didn't know Maureen Egono. You didn't know Bill Fall. You didn't know Eddie and Jeff. They are poorer for that, as far as I'm concerned. These were wonderful actors, and they... There was a system at the time, not necessarily a system, but more or less a tradition, even though the Abbey wasn't that old, that you kind of went from production to production and you would grow into, you would grow into, your, into your next part. And we'll say that they would always be looking at the young ones for a Peggy or a Playboy. And they'd always be, you know, or for the next Widow Quinn, or for the next uh, Fluter or something like that. that. That was the idea behind. And you would always get a little bit of... of encouragement and a little bit of advice from the older people as well. Now, this wasn't always perfect, anything, but but they, these were the, the main... And that's how we learned so much, you know? I've often heard actors saying that, that they, they, they got an awful lot of help from, from the older actors and, you know, giving them tips and... Uh, you know, and how to make the best of a, of an exit, and and and, and to get to, to get the applause, <laughs> you know, and and timing of course is everything, and they would often, uh, and I've seen it myself, older actors taking the younger actors side and saying, if you held that line just a little bit longer or took that pause, you know, you'd get a better reaction, Was and eventually you, they would pick up on these things. It would be very important, and sometimes I would firmly believe that that those sort of things are you can't learn in a drama college. It's only actually by actually the experience of doing it and and being confronted with the audience that you you gain the confidence to know when to. You know when to pause, when to when to when to take the advantage of 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 of, uh, of the moment on the stage. Say you had um, like a couple of lines in 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 something, and uh, they'd uh, maybe come up to you and say, "If you play such a, if you play that line faster, if you play, if you take a pause there, if you you know just just try this." You know, little things like that. That at the time you were very young, you weren't aware. Oh, why? Why are they telling me to take a pause here? But you'd actually do it. You know, and it, you could see either you'd get a laugh or you'd get. You know what I mean? You you knew. So, just little things like that. Very generous with their time and their their expertise. Really, I wasn't aware of it at the time of how much I was learning watching them. But it's only later, you know, much later. Uh, when I started kind of, you know, trying to, you know, what this all is about, that I realised, oh, right, OK. And instinctively, I, I still do it. I kind of go, oh, right, I wonder how they'd play that line. Instinctively, I still do it. Angela Newman was a member of the Abbey Theatre Company from 1948 until 1978 and very highly thought of by her peers. Her husband, Philip O'Flynn, who acted with the Abbey Theatre Company from 1947 to 1986, is also recalled here. So when, I, when I joined in the Queen's, uh, my sort of mentor would have been because of, of, of the school of acting that I'd been in previously. Bill Foley was a great friend and mentor. And then through him I met uh, Philip O'Flynn and Angela Newman. And they were... But they sort of adopted myself and Donald McCann. We were like their double, but the, Philip called us Piff and Baff, one side or the other. And uh, we used to go, when they would go, go to, on holidays to the, to the west of Ireland, they used to go to Spiddle 
and we were given a, a sort of a subsidy to go and learn Irish every time the Abbey closed for a month in June in those days. And we would go down to, uh, we were supposed to be going to Carrow, where there was plenty of art, but we went to Spiddle because it was in striking distance of Galway. <laughs> so we could get in at, out, out at night. <laughs> so, so that, that sort of, so, but we used to meet Philip and Angela in, Con, in, in Spiddle. And uh, yeah, they sort of uh, looked after us very well. And because of that, you would be talking theatre and talking mm. parts and Philip was, 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 was the, he was doing flute there and he was doing Seamus Shields at the time. He, they were his parts and he just talked to him about them and, you know, he, yeah, it, that, that, it, 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 I suppose what I'm trying is, is it rubbed off. The whole theatrical thing rubbed off on you, yeah. Philip, Philip was a real, though Philip was only about eight years older than me, so he was only 28, but he was a kind of father figure to us. Uh, he'd been round the block and he knew it all, and he was a great one to give you advice. And indeed, when I played in the choir for uh, playing the 60-year-old at 21, uh, Philip was a great help. He, he, I actually went out to his house one evening and he went through the whole script uh, line for line with me. Um, and, and he was marvellous. I don't think Angela Newman got enough credit. I really don't. I think she was just, she was a very special actor. She really was, you know. Um, she was amazing. She was just... She was just one of those actors that could play comedy, that could play tragedy, um, wonderful company member. I remember Angela, Angela and John Cavanagh playing in, we did a musical, we did quite a lot of stuff with music here by the way. We had a wonderful musical, um, Inish, written by Fergus Lynn and, and uh, Jim Darty. It was, it was wonderful, but Angela was, was, was marvellous in that. She, she, she also played, I mean she played in the, the Greek, she played Oedipus with, with Des Cave. Another actor who was generous with his knowledge was Ray McAnally, as remembered here by Pat Laffin and Breachney Nocton. If you were in a play with Ray McAnally, he was a, he was a good teacher. He passed things on, and um, Eddie Gold, and I suppose Bill Foley. They would, yes. They, the other actors would would uh, would. They were generous, actually. They were they they weren't self centered, and if they could help, they would. Ray was a perfectionist. Ray would come to rehearsals, everything worked out in his head, you know, which sometimes wouldn't agree with the director. And that's where problems started. Ray would have seen it lit. Ray would have seen it move, you know what I mean? He'd have, you know, that, that can, you know, that can be a problem. So that's, I, that's where the difficulty with, with Ray. But he, he was fantastic again, and he would give voice lessons and stuff like that. I remember going to, to Ray, and uh, yeah, at six o'clock, yeah, because uh, eight o'clock was showtime at the day, you know. Cyril Cusack worked at the Abbey Theatre for over 50 years, from 1932 to 1989. Des Cave performed alongside him in the Chakron. Well, that was an amazing production, because I was playing Robert Folliot. Uh, the Fenian hero on the run, or just landed back from Australia, and Cyril was playing the Chakron, and he was a good 20 years too old for the party. When he, was, he wasn't, he was 40, 45 or something, but, uh, but he's my friend, and I'm 19 or 20, or 21, and uh, 
I always remember with Cyril, and Cyril, I got in, we were doing marvellous rehearsal and various lovely stuff and things, and uh, the opening night, uh, we, we were doing a front of cloth, like the old melodrama. The cloth came in and you do the scene in the front of the cloth, and he was going, and I said, you stand up there, Des, and I'll stand down here. I'll stand down here and uh, we'll play it that way. And uh, on the opening night, as I say, no previews, so on the opening night, he just turned to the audience and delivered all the lines to the audience and left me upstage looking at the back of his head. <laughs> so I was taught a lesson. Yeah. So somebody said, why didn't you just go down stage of him? I said, well, I didn't know that. I don't know how you do that sort of thing. Oh, that's, that's, a, well, that's, a, you know, that, that's craft. I said, no, we won't say tricks. We'll say craft. And you, you just, if you're being upstaged, you just move down. <laughs> but that's just keeping you on your toes. Niall Boggy also remembers Siobhan McKenna. And her sense of humour, sorry, I have to speak about her sense of humour because what I miss most about, about Siobhan, really, is her sense of humour, her laughter, the sound of her laughing. And um, indeed, she was a terrible corpse and she laughed on stage. One day, um, I mean, not all the time, but one day, we were doing The Loves of Cass McGuire where she was uh, in padding and was dressed up as this very elderly and Irish-American lady. And she came on the stage and in the front row, the Americans, uh, the Americans used to come along having spent a day going around Wicklow and then they'd come to the... And they'd never been to a theatre, a lot of them, but they went to the Abbey because it was a famous uh, place. And... There were two ladies sitting down and Siobhan came on the stage and she spoke in this sort of a raucous sort of a voice. And <laughs> this one of the women turned and said, Oh my God, I remember Siobhan McKenna in New York and boy, has she deteriorated. <laughs> so Siobhan <laughs> turned her back to the audience and roared with laughter. I mean, just roared, roared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We finish with an impression of actor Maureen O'Connell who joined the company in 1943 and is fondly remembered here by Stephen Ray. Well, I remember once saying, uh, being in a pantomime here, the Irish pantomimes, and Maura, I can't remember what she was doing, but she was getting laughs on stage, you know, and the audience, she just got them going, they were laughing and yeah, laughing, yeah. and she came off stage and I was standing in the wings and she was just laughing herself. <laughs> and she was looking at me, just laughing with yeah, the sheer... Yeah. Oh joy of doing it and getting that audience going. It's fantastic. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Abbey Theatre's Oral History Project. For more information about the archive, visit abbeytheatre.ie.